You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. And let me just say that it is always a pleasure having today's guest on, uh, Justin Czar. And this episode goes all over the place. And that's why it's labeled a BS session. Because me and Justin, I, as you know, we are avid outdoorsmen. Uh, we love to deer hunt a lot. And uh, Justin talks about how... His ill preparation last year led to him being extremely fired up about this upcoming fall. We both talk about how much effort we put into turkey hunting this year, which was pretty much zilch. And then he talks about his son. We talk about activities and all the uh, all the activities that we are in right now as far as coaching of sports and, and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a really awesome episode. It's a really fun episode. And here's, here's where it gets even better. Now, it wouldn't be a BS session if we didn't do a little uh, complaining about our wives. Um, we, we try to, every year, we try to walk that fine line between not making them mad and getting away with as much hunting as possible. <laughs> so we talk about that in today's episode. We talk about a little whitetail strategy, uh, plans and prep for the upcoming fall, what trips we're taking, um, how, how we plan to be successful. And then we end this episode with what might be the most off guard I've ever been taken in, in this podcast. And I'm talking in 700, almost 700 podcasts. 
this is the most out like out of left field comment story that I've ever heard and just it and it's hilarious. So I had a really good laugh. I got caught off guard, but uh, it's a funny it is definitely a funny story about a about a return flight from a Las Vegas bachelor party. And so you got to wait all the way to the end to hear that. And dude, it's just a really, uh, a really fun episode. We talk a little bit about everything and from the sounds of it, you guys like these episodes. So there's that. And I I know I'm missing something, but uh, that's, that's the gist of today's episode. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to say that there's going to be a brand new website coming from the network. Okay, there's going to be some very small changes and I will make sure that all you guys are aware. But just a heads up, there's going to be some very small changes coming from the network, coming from uh, the how it's just a small change. So it's not going to affect how you're how you get your podcasts. It's not going to affect anything, really. I just want you to just be aware that there's going to be a change. You guys should notice it and uh, just keep an eye out for that. If you have not, uh, if you're, if you have not gone to the nine finger Chronicles, Instagram page or Facebook page and followed, please do that. A lot of information comes through there. And, uh, from the sounds of it, I don't think Facebook or Instagram really like me anyway, because I've been sitting at the same number of followers for like a year and a half two years now and there's been really no increase so either I suck and people are unfollowing me or the fact that uh, that I've been shadow banned or whatever that uh, um, reduce visibility button that the that those um, those guys push so go make sure you're following along I put out a lot of information uh, through the stories and whatnot, so uh, take a lo- take a look at that, and then make sure you are subscribed to the uh, the network and the Nine Finger Chronicles feed and the Hunting Gear podcast and all the other awesome podcasts that come out, and you can get that on this network feed. Make sure you go subscribe. And last but not least, uh, we got to thank the people who make this all possible. And we're going to start that off with Wasp Broadheads, wasparchery.com. Discount code for 20% off when you go visit their website. And that is N. FC20 for 20% off. If you're looking for a crossbow, you need to go ch- check out excalibercrossbow.com. They have a variety of crossbows for all fits and functions and shapes and size of people. So 30 years in business uh, for Excalibur. So, uh, you know, you don't stick around for 30 years if you have shitty products. So go check out Excalibur. And then Hunt Stand, if you're looking for a mobile app that you can use to journal everything that you find, rubs, scrapes, deer sightings, trail camera pictures, um, ownership of properties, property lines, top, you know, topography, blah, 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 blah. Go to huntstand.com, read up on all the functionality that HuntStand offers, then go download it for free, mess around with it. And then if you want to upgrade to where all the awesome functionality is, it's only 30 bucks a year and you can have a discount code SN20 for 20% off of 30 bucks. So that's a good one. Uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Go check out their trail cameras. 
Uh, why do I like using Exodus trail cameras? Because I'm confident that when I'm not in the woods, they're working. So huge shout out to Exodus for making awesome trail cameras. And last but not least, our title sponsor, Vortex Optics. Go visit vortexoptics.com. They have some new uh, products coming out later this, uh, yeah, later this month. And they're just, it's, it's a badass company that makes badass optics and the people who work there are extremely knowledgeable and nice. So you add all that up and you get a, a very successful business like uh, Vortex Optics. Go check out vortexoptics.com. <laughs> all right. Now it is time to listen to two assholes talk about how big of assholes that they really are. Heads up. There is some swearing in this episode. I've marked it uh, explicit. So if there's kids in the car, just a heads up and uh, enjoy the show. Three, two, one. All right. Fresh off an Easter food coma. Justin Czar, how are we doing? Uh, I ate somewhere between 17 and 24 different Reese's branded products yesterday. <laughs> I'm amazed at how many shapes and sizes they have oh, for man. products nowadays. It's, oh, man. They're quite innovative, the folks over there at Reese's or Reese's, depending on how you say it. Those eggs are deadly, or the little they rabbits, man. You just you don't even know how many. Number one, you don't even know how many calories they are, and number two, don't worry about it, Dan. You just black out and you it. just eat and eat and eat. <laughs> The eggs are definitely the worst. Not like the little teeny, like I'm talking like the, the almost like a peanut butter cup sized exactly. egg. Exactly. Individually wrapped. Like you give me a six pack of those things, they're going down. Yeah. They're going down hard, Dan. So let's see. Uh, explain your Easter dinner to us. And um, like, is it a tradition or like what the what the meal is? And then maybe tell us what your right. favorite favorite part is. Uh, well, you know, our tradition at one point in time before gas was so expensive, we used to go out to Pennsylvania to see my wife's family and, uh, her aunt would make pot, they're Italian. So they would make, what do they call it? Macaroni. Even though to me, macaroni is like craft out of a box, Exactly. but to them, it's like rigatoni with homemade sauce and meatballs. Yeah. So my wife actually made that on Saturday her sister and uh, my nieces and nephews all came over. So we kind of did a little mini quasi family Easter and the kids all uh, decorated eggs and whatnot. And then for actual Easter, we actually went out to brunch yesterday okay. instead of doing the, the dinner thing. We did an Easter brunch with my mom and I guess it would be stepdad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was all good. I mean, it was, uh, you know, food coma and, uh, most of my day yesterday was spent hiding and then rehiding eggs all day long for my kids. <laughs> like, Dad, go hide them in the backyard. Okay, then they found them. And then go hide them in the front yard. And then go hide them in the basement. And eventually I was like, all right, guys, I'm out of hiding spots. So you guys are just going to take these fake eggs and you're going to go hide them on your own because I don't trust you with the real eggs. I'll end up finding one in July when it's stinking up the house. So <laughs> I gave the kids fake eggs and just turned them loose. Nice. Uh, and then I watched some baseball yesterday. So nice. how about you? How was your Easter, sir? Oh, you know, so let's see. Saturday. So first off, I'm coming off of a uh, a crazy week. Okay. Ten-year uh, anniversary. Ten-year uh wedding anniversary this week and so um we didn't get the opportunity to go out and do anything special 
because number one, my son. So we he was he was just complaining about his tummy hurting and he, he started crying and started crying and, and just kept going for a whole day. So the next morning I woke up and he was going crazy again. So I'm like, screw it. We're going to the doctor's office. We tried to get him to take some stuff to poop, whatever. And it just wasn't happening. And so we, we went to the doctor's office. Doctor goes, uh, okay, let's check him out. Blah, blah, blah. They did a, they did a strep throat test. I don't know, you know, whether or not that has anything to do with stomach pain. I'm not a doctor. And it then, does surprising. I've lived through that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so they did a strep throat test, came back negative. They did a, a, a finger prick and whatever they could do in the actual lab. Um, then or in the lab in the doctor's office, they're like, okay, well we found nothing on this. We're going to recommend now you go to uh, this radiology clinic and get an ultrasound of his tummy. And, and I'm like, uh, okay. So this, this 10, 15, 20 minute trip that I, you know, doctor visit turned into, I didn't get home until eight 30 that night. And Ugh. so that turned that radiology trip, turned into well we 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 really can't see if it's his appendix uh, because there's so much bowel in there and you know so we're going to need you guys to go to the er and so then after they did their ultrasound then they we went to the er where they gave him liquid you know they gave him fluids hooked him up to the iv um they did some x-rays of him all this stuff you know, and then finally the doctor, came, you know, a doctor came in at like eight o'clock at night and was just like, well, you know, we really don't see anything too concerning. There is a lot of bowel and a lot of gas in there. He looks to be dehydrated and it's crazy. I don't know about you, but you take your kids into the doctor. They're feeling sick, feeling sick, feeling sick. You get to the doctor's office and they're just tap dancing. They're, they're, they don't even look sick anymore. <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell? So I can't wait to see that bill. Uh, yeah. Yep. My, uh, so I was in, I was in Vegas last weekend for a bachelor party. Oh boy. For a couple days. Uh, and while I was gone, my daughter ate it off the front of her scooter and chipped. She has two adult teeth. Oh, of boy. course, slams her face on the ground, chips one of them in half. And of course, my wife calls me freaking out. I am in no shape whatsoever to be <laughs> taking that phone call and dealing with that while I'm half the country away. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to have to deal with this one. Just on your deal own. with it. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up getting her into the dentist the next day. Thankfully, there was no like nerve or root damage. So she's now got a temporary crown on her tooth and she'll have to have a permanent one eventually. Yeah. So that was, that's awesome. It seems like every time I go out of town, one of my kids like severely injures themselves <laughs> and I get the frantic call from my wife. I'm like, seriously, you guys can't just do this when I'm home. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that was a, that was a nice bill and I'm sure there will be more coming. Right. Let me ask you this question. Have you been, I've never been to Las Vegas. Okay. I, mm -hmm. there was one time where I, got invited to go to a bachelor party for one of my buddies to Vegas. Um, they actually, it was crazy. Like the, the, my buddy's older brother makes a lot of money. So they actually rent, rented a plane, a private plane to take them down to Vegas um, here from 
Iowa. And, I should have invited that guy to go with Yeah, you. right, right. <laughs> so he made a lot of money, whatever. They flew down. But I had just started a a new job. And so I, I couldn't I couldn't go on it. Like I wanted to real bad, but I, I couldn't because they were leaving like on a Thursday or something. And so I did this, you know, I, I had to bow out of that. But have you ever been to Vegas before this time? Uh, yeah, I've been there actually yeah. a pretty decent amount of times, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Is Vegas different for you as a 40-year-old than it was like the last time you went on a bachelor party there? Or was it the exact same? <laughs> Uh, well, it's definitely different. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I mean, when you're a 40 year old married person with kids at home, mm-hmm. like you think you're cool, but you're not cool, Dan. Let me just tell you. Uh, but you know what? This was this was my first time in Vegas, like with just my friends. Yeah. Like without my my wife in probably like 20 years. I think I went like in my early 20s for a couple of days with a few friends, and then every time after that's been with my wife. We've probably been there four or five times. Um, so yeah, one of my buddies was, this is his second marriage. And he was like, yeah, we're going to get married. You know, do you guys want to stand up at the wedding? And I was like, we're going to Vegas. Like, this is the <laughs> last opportunity. Like you're my last friend. Everyone's married. You're on your second one. Like we've never done a Vegas bachelor party. Like we're doing it. Like, this is it. We're all like 40. Like if we don't do it now. We're never going to do it. Right. So, you know, it took some, pulling strings and whatnot and we ended up getting a group of five guys to go down and uh tell you what man we had we had a good time not gonna lie it was fun that's good i i won't ask for details um i only got we got back to the hotel room at 5 30 in the morning uh one morning after being out literally all night and like we realized like hey it's like and this was sunday night going into monday morning uh, we went like Saturday through Tuesday. Yeah. So it was Monday morning. It was 5.30. Got back to the hotel. And uh, I was like, man, it's like 7.30 at home. Like my wife's up getting the kids ready for school. So like we're all like texting our wives like, uh, we just got back to the hotel. We're going to go to sleep. So don't try to like uh, get a hold of us for a few hours. <laughs> we're not dead if we don't answer our phones until like noon. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you just got back now? like yeah we lost track of time <laughs> yeah right some bullshit lie you tell your wife <laughs> 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 they don't want to know yeah anyways. yeah oh yeah we were out you know just gambling and and uh watching sports games hanging out. <laughs> yeah, yeah just sitting in the sports book yep yeah that, i should i do that same thing now where it's like uh no i checked like eight trail cameras and i come up with some dumbass excuse why um i was late <laughs> you know like oh man traffic was real heavier on the way back or you know <laughs> whatever right some dumbass yeah. and you know whether they care or they don't care you know what i mean so um yep what uh <laughs> so i don't know i have one buddy who's left uh, one buddy who it, everybody else is married. And I have one guy who, um, last buddy got married during COVID. So there was no bachelor party. There was no, uh, there was, there wasn't, even, yeah, there wasn't even a wedding. Okay. I think maybe I met him out for a beer. Right. So that was it. But I got one more buddy who, man, I don't know if he, he'll get married or not, but it, he's the last hope for one last hurrah of debauchery right. before. And when I mean debauchery, I mean, knowing this guy, it would probably be like, I'll, I'll drink 10 Coors Lights. 
and then fall asleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> Play, playing cornhole or, or something like that. It's not, it's not, it probably won't be a Vegas trip. Yeah. So, yeah, buddy. Well, it's, still a good time. it's, it's still spring. A good time. And it is spring. It's spring. Hopefully, although it snowed. Did it snow by you? Uh, let's see. Uh, yes. I woke up to like an inch of snow this morning. Yeah, it snowed south of where I'm at, but and it's it's gone by now. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Still not happy about it. I and between me and you and all the listeners, I went turkey hunting first season shotgun usually it's a second season for me the weather has sucked so much this year that it really didn't make a difference but usually i go second season which would have been this weekend decided not to because of easter and so uh the previous week is it's a four-day first season it's right after the youth season four-day season um and i went for maybe a total of five or six hours and then that, and then my son had to go to the hospital. And then the next day was my anniversary, and it was windy as shit. And so I, I turkey hunted this year for maybe five hours, six hours. Uh, and I wish I had something cool to tell you, but uh, I nothing really happened. I saw a, one strutter, I heard two toms gobble, and then that was it. How about you? Uh, I personally am not even turkey hunting this year. I took my son a couple weeks ago for youth season and he managed to get one. Yeah. So that was, that was good enough for me, man. I didn't even apply for a turkey permit here in Illinois this year. I just knew I was going to be number one, way too busy, um, to even try to turkey hunt this year. Number two, like my spots that I hunt just don't hold a lot of turkeys anymore. Yeah. You know, I know everybody's been talking about the last couple of years, but the turkey population is just way down. It's crazy. You know, there's pockets of them. There's pockets where there's like good amount of them. Um, but just by and large, like, you know, I've been hunting the same lease for about 10 years now. And we used to see groups of 20 and 30 of them out there. Like when we first started, you know, 10 years ago, it was not an uncommon thing during the fall to be sitting on a cut cornfield and have a group of 20 birds come out. And over the last, I would say the last five years has been the real downfall, you know, and it was like, you know, five years ago, there was probably five or six toms, you know, and a good amount of hens on that property. And I shot, I've shot like one tom every year off of it. And like the last couple of years, there's been like one, maybe two on camera that I got out there. Like the groups are just gone. And I was like, man, I would even feel bad just shooting one out here. Like there's just, they're just not here anymore. And so, uh, you know, I've got a couple friends that, that own property and one of them was super, super cool. And he texted me like he knew I was going to go out that weekend and I was going to bring my son to my property to my lease and figure, okay, maybe we could shoot one of these two birds that's out here. Like we probably won't even see anything, but what the hell we're going to go, we're going to give it a try for at least a couple of days. And he texted me that week and he's like, Hey man, he's like, my place is just full of birds right now. They're everywhere. He's like, if you want to bring, you know, Joey out there, go for it. He's like, I'm probably not going to turkey hunt this year. I got too much stuff going on. So I was like, sweet, dude, thank you. You know, so we went out the night before. We went out on Friday night and we listened for birds and they flew up and gobbled. They were freaking everywhere. So I was like, sweet, man. We went up in the field. We set up our blind in the dark and everything and came back the next morning. And, dude, we saw he had like 40 birds in the field. It was insane. I've never seen so many damn turkeys. And, uh, you know, we ended up sticking it out. He passed a bunch of jakes, which I was kind of pissed about. I'm like, dude, you're nine. You shouldn't be passing anything. <laughs> and like, that was I'm, his decision? Almost, yeah. He did, well, you know, we had all these birds in the field, and there was probably a half dozen toms 
out in the field strutting and fighting with each other. And he really wanted to shoot one. And we had a group of eight Jakes come into the decoys and they were there for like an hour. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we could have shot these things. And he's like, no, I want to shoot one of those Toms that's out there. And I was like, well, there's no guarantee. And he's like, don't worry, we're going to shoot one. And <laughs> sure enough, at like noon, one of them shows up right in the decoys and he freaking smashed the thing. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, it was, yeah, it was cool. It was a fun hunt. And it was like snowing. To, to, what, do they, what do the old people say? To beat the band? Is that a saying I feel like I've heard before? It's to beat the band. Snowing to beat the band out. It was like a damn blizzard. Dude, when we got in the blind, there was no snow. It literally just started snowing. We got in the blind about quarter to six. Shot his bird at noon. There was like four inches on the ground. Dang. Your so son's hard was, core, uh, dude. Well, dude, we're in a blind with a freaking buddy heater in it. And he's got his phone. He's watching Mr. Beast on YouTube. Oh, like, okay. We're not, we're not that hardcore. Okay. <laughs> it's turkey hunting. Yeah. You do, my rule is that you don't go turkey hunting without a blind and a heater and coffee. Yeah. That's the only way that I'm doing it. Yeah. I am not nearly hardcore enough for this running gun crap. Well, I did, but it was only for six hours. I, and, and, one, <laughs> and one of the days it was I had to get my kids on the school bus. Then I had to go. Then I went hunting. Right. So it was nine o'clock before I got out to the field and there was a, the one strutter was already in the field. So I made, I made a big loop on him and, uh, he was in that same spot. He was in that same spot, like two days in a row. So, uh, whatever. You're like, I got this. He's yeah. going to be there tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Except he was in the wide open field. And the first day I, I, I if I, if I would have got in there and was listening to him on the stand, I'm pretty sure I could have got in range with him, but it wasn't just him. And then he had five of his girlfriends with him. So that made matters worse. And, and then I was going to go back the next day, but then, you know, the son got, my son got sick right. that night. So whatever, it's just Turkey hunting. I like, I don't get too fired up yeah, about dude. it. Me neither. You know, I like doing it when I'm out doing it, but it's like I've shot a pretty good amount of them the last five or six years. I didn't really feel the need to shoot one this year, yeah. you know. And the other thing, too, is like I'd say the last two years, I've really I've slacked off on of my deer hunting prep work that I usually get done in the spring because I was turkey hunting so much, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, the last couple of years, like I would I would get two or three seasons here in Illinois which is, you know, a good chunk of March and maybe, or I'm not March, uh, April into May, you know, which is when I should really be doing a lot of my deer work. So I just said, screw it. I'm not turkey hunting this year. I'm going to focus on deer prep work. Um, just so, uh, dude, I'm so damn busy. You know, I got three kids. They're all in sports now. I'm yeah. coaching two baseball teams. Yeah. Like it's five to six days a week of sports right now. Um, so I was like, I need to get this stuff done before sports gets too crazy. So I actually got a pretty good amount of work done already. I've got a bunch of stands in, trimmed, prepped. Like I replaced some straps and seats and stuff on a, some stands that have been there for a few years, hung a couple new ones, prepped a couple trees for, for saddle hunting this fall. You know, that is the one nice thing about, you know, saddle hunting is like you could prep a tree, throw some sticks or even some screw and steps in it. And then, all you know, you're basically wearing your harness right yeah. into the woods with you climb up throw on the little platform throw on your tether and you're you're ready to hunt yeah. so like on a piece of private property it makes it nice and easy to jump around so i actually prepped you know a good amount of trees that i'm gonna hunt this fall so i still got a little bit more work that i want to get done hopefully in the next couple weekends um i'm gonna get that done because when the weather gets hopefully nice at some point in time we'll start fishing here before too long oh, but right. i want to have all my 
when I have all my deer stuff done before I take the boat out. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's, that's a, a good, uh, kind of a good transition here to a question that I've been asking myself lately. And, and you mentioned that you're coaching. So I am helping my son and daughter. They're on the same soccer team this year, which makes that nice. And then we have two, nice. two days a week. That's, uh, that's one day a week for, for them. My, uh, my oldest son has football twice a week. My daughter has dance twice a week. And my youngest son has soccer once a week. And so that, that, uh, my youngest son, my wife volunteer, there's a lady that she knows, uh, decided she was going to coach. And then she asked my wife for a volunteer. And so I, (laughs) this is going to sound bad, but I go to practice, (laughs) I go to practice and watch. And within five minutes, I'm the coach of the team now. So (laughs) not that they, they just like, you have to be able to teach the fundamentals of a sport. Right. And they're just like, here, just kick the ball, just kick the ball. And they, they, you know, kudos to them for volunteering and putting it up. But I'm just like, now I'm vocal. I'm just like, okay, well actually that's a goalie kick or, you know, Oh, actually that's over the head throw in or, well, after that, you just don't throw the ball in and say let's go again you just got to stop the game put the ball down the team other team kicks it blah 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 so so i am now the coach of that team and uh baseball is going to be here and i'll be the coach of his baseball team uh probably two baseball teams um and probably not dance though (laughs) but uh, no i hope not but here's the question fall comes around okay you're going to be gone doing your thing this fall. I'm sure. I mean, you're, are you going to Colorado again or not? Uh, no, I go, I think my only trip this year is Wyoming in like middle of September okay. for spot and stalking mule deer. Right. And then everything else, then I'll be back home for deer. Okay. After that. Gotcha. One trip. One trip out West. Um, are, is that going to be during any sporting events? God, I hope not. It might be during. Uh, oof, I guess I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, it all it all depends on what my kids decide to play in the fall. Usually we do fall baseball as well. My kids are really just into baseball; it's their thing. Gotcha. My daughter's playing soccer, um, so we'll we'll see. Usually fall baseball is like I think two days a week. We don't have travel during the fall, so it's like one night of practice and then one game on the weekend. Yeah. So I mean, I may I may miss a game in a practice, something like that. You know. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, yeah. you just get the assistant assistant coaches to pick up the slack while you're gone. Yeah. So that's like for me, I don't necessarily want to coach. You know, I'll come and maybe be an assistant coach and help during the fall, you know, and things like that. That's what everybody wants. Though. Right. That's what I got told this year. Because I was like, because I've assistant coached plenty. And they were like, well, we need head coaches because everybody wants to assistant. Yeah. And I've been pretty vocal about some of the things that I don't like about some of the coaching that happens. Yeah. And so I, I essentially got like an ultimatum of like either coach or quit your bitching. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I was like, fine, I'll coach. Let's go. Yeah. So the my my debate here is in the fall, right? Dude, I know some dudes who haunt a lot and they're away from their family a lot right and yeah then I, and, i'm not gonna do that yeah so like i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out because here's in my head this is what i want to do this fall i'm going to south dakota um potentially nebraska 
for what I would call early season hunts, right? Maybe one September, one October, come back and then, you know, come back for pretty much 30, 40 days and then maybe go down to Oklahoma and hunt before I hunt the rut here in Iowa. And so let's just say, let's just add that up and say that's four weeks over a two or three month period. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like a month. Yeah, like I a know. Month over I, a three-month period. I know. So, but here's the deal. Like, I don't do shit. Anything else? Like, I haven't done anything. I went to. I went up to Vortex for a couple meetings in Wisconsin. What? I saw uh, that. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, and I was gone. But other than that, man. I, I haven't, I don't do anything else. So my question is, and I want to hear you walk me through this. Like would four weeks fly with, with you at all? Or is that would or two, three weeks? Like what would you feel is your max for leaving the family and going hunting? Mm, gosh, I don't know, man. When you, when you deer hunt, let me ask you this. When you deer hunt in Iowa, are you gone, like, overnight? Because isn't one of your spots, like, a couple hours away from your house? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I hunt, I have a farm that's fairly close. I, I hunt it pre-rut pretty much, okay, or early, right. early rut. And that's 15 minutes from my house. So I can go hunt and come back. The other farm is I, I go down there and I stay for a little while. And then I might, you know, one year I, I hunted there for a day. Then I came back up here, hung with the family, then turned around and went right back. Right. So See, that's what chews into some of my time. Like, I think I could get away with, like, three to four total weeks. But, like, if I burn it all early, like, then I'm going to be, like, begging for more time in yeah. November. You know, so for me, I try to, like, optimize yeah. exactly what I'm doing. Because I'm much the same as you, right? I've got two local farms that are here at home and then my other ones, you know, a little over a two hour drive. So there are times when I will drive out and come back and it sucks, uh, but I prefer to go out. If I'm going to go, I'd like to go for the whole weekend. If not, maybe a three day weekend Yeah. during the rut, three, four days, something like that. So like I said, like if the other thing too, that helps is like, if I can space it out. So if I could do like, that's yeah. the nice thing about animal hunting. It's in August. So it's way, I mean, you're talking months before the rut, right? So right. I can get an antelope trip, maybe come home a month later, do a September trip, and then kind of stay at home until November. Then I'm gone, you know, a good amount in November. So I try to space them out. If they were all like back to back to back like that, that'd be tough. Yeah, uh, I could probably pull it off because I always use the like, sorry, it's for work. You know, yeah. I, got, I got to go. What do, you, what do you want? This is what I do for a living. Right. You know, right. so, but I can only play that card so many times. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that's the thing. My wife, if I go on a five-day hunt, you know, let's just say eight to five days, okay? Because realistically, I always leave. If I'm going out west, I leave on a Friday, and I start hunting on a Saturday, okay? Yep. So, And then I, I, I go through the whole week where I'm either back by Saturday or Sunday of the next week. So let's just say five to eight days, somewhere in there. And remember, when you go that far, it's a day of travel on each end, right? It's eight-hour drive yep. each way. So... So I feel like my wife is much cooler than with me going one like let's just say seven days a seven day trip come back for three weeks another seven day trip come go come back for three weeks another seven day trip whatever as opposed to if I was like 
this year, what I would really like to do is go hunt the last week of October somewhere, come back, start hunting Iowa. And a handful of years ago, I think it was 19, I hunted 14 days in a row uh, to kill my buck. And that period of time, that 14 days, that window where I was hunting that hard was what she was more stressed then than two years ago or well a couple years ago when I went South Dakota I went or I went Colorado South Dakota Iowa and and then uh back to South Dakota and she was but she was cool with that so like I'm trying to figure and a lot of it I probably comes down to if you have success like if you plan an eight-day hunt you kill on day two like I did this year and then you can come back a couple days early right and so that right but you can never guarantee that my wife definitely is more mad though when I go on a trip and I don't come home with something (laughs) I get that I get that a lot like you better kill something yeah while you're gone yeah I'm like well I'm certainly gonna try but Jesus like so much pressure (laughs) yeah right so and and here's the other thing that uh we always get in arguments about okay and my wife's like i love her to death awesome we've been married 10 years so i think we have it somewhat worked out but she doesn't like the fact that i can go basically buy a tag for 300 dollars and then live in the back of my truck for another, let's just say $500 for gas money and for food. And I can, I can do that. So let's just, let's even round it up more. And let's say that trip costs me a thousand dollars for eight days of, of, of hunting. Okay. Now she, then she sees that and she's like, well, you were gone all this time. And then she wants a vacation. Well, her vacations cost like five grand. Or, you know what I mean? Like, with a family, we went to the Wisconsin Dells, which by far, love all the people from Wisconsin, but I don't know if I like the Wisconsin Dells, man. It is, like, just a money-sucking event up there. Oh, for sure, dude, no doubt. I mean, everybody from here, that's where everybody goes from here. So we've been up there, and dude, it is not cheap. I went for, like, a weekend. Yeah. Probably spent a a thousand bucks. Yeah. For, like, one night. Yeah. Like, it was insane. It's yep. pure insanity. I mean, there's ways I'm sure people would tell you, oh, you do this, do that, whatever, save money, yeah, screw off. Yeah. And you got your kids sitting there like, I want this, and I want that, and let's go to eat. And yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah, the Dells is not cheap, dude. No. It is the, one of the biggest money sucks you'll ever find. So, and it's made worse because it's all the a-holes from Illinois that go up there. <laughs> <laughs> A whole bunch of Justin Czars. Yeah. <laughs> So I sit here and I have this, like, we're trying to weigh all like time versus money. Like she's, she is, I'm weighing the amount of money that's spent, which is drastically under, and she's weighing time gone against, against money spent. So she feels like, oh, well, we, we got to go do this. I'm like, oh, I tell you what, we can do, we can do five trips. We can do six trips a year if we can sleep in a tent and we can you know like drive yeah, that's out. not gonna fly. exactly 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 so so i don't know so there's it's not necessarily just like whether or not i'm gone and if it makes her happy it's also what kind of chips i'm putting in the pot in order to return the favor 
in sure. other vacations to the family as well. Because, well, you go on your trips, your trips, you know, you get what you want, but we don't get what we want. Well, at the same time, I play the, this is my job card. And I yes. also play the, man, I can do it for one fifth the, you know, the, the expense of what it's going to cost me, even just me and her to go somewhere. So, yeah struggles of <laughs> i hear you my wife wants to do something this summer my yeah. mom has like a tradition where she takes our kids for like four five six days something like that during the summer so the last yeah. couple of years my wife and i have gone to vegas i don't want to go back again i'm i'm done with vegas for a while yeah. i've been there the last three years now so she wants to go do something else and i'm like oh god here we go you know so we're we're in the process of planning that out right now so i guess we will we will see what happens. What's but, on the chopping yeah, block I mean, for that vacation? Uh, my wife really wants to go to New York for some reason. Oh, my God. I know, that's how I feel. Dude. Like, I've never been to New York, and I want to go to Broadway, and I want to see Ground Zero. And I want to get shot on a subway, and I want to get mugged. I know. We could do that here in Chicago <laughs> if we wanted to get shot, you know, like for a lot less money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. I don't know. She, it's either that or Florida or like Myrtle Beach or something like that. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see. We're currently kicking around ideas on what to do. Yeah. So, but first I have to get through the insanity that is, you know, sports season. I got to get all my deer prep ready to go because I am not going buckless a second goddamn year, Dan. So, so let's, okay. We talked about this a little bit. Right, we did. I and think we did. Yeah, I'm gonna knock. Actually, I I looked at my my Skype, and I think you and I talked right before the end of Illinois deer season. Yeah, last year I think we talked on like the 11th of January, and our season ended on like the 15th or 16th. Right, and I had I had an opportunity to shoot a 150 incher, but he was just a little bit too far. Um, I watched him for an hour, dude, maybe an hour and a half feeding in the beans in front of me, like the second to last night of the season. And I haven't, the video hasn't come out yet. It'll probably be in the next week or two. Um, I'm sure there's some people that are going to be like, Jesus, are you insane? You know, but he was like 50, man. And I'm just not, I'm not all about that life. Yeah. You know, when I'm bow hunting, like I want 40 and in, I want 20 and in, you know? And uh, dude, I had him broadside at probably 48 to 50 yards for, a long time yeah. and believe me the thought crossed my mind but i didn't do it and my son ended up picking up one of his sheds um so i'm hoping that he he sticks around and one of us can get a crack at him this year but i going buckless for a year has 100 percent like lit a fire under my ass going into this fall because i mm. realized like where a lot of my mistakes were last the last couple of years i just got complacent i got lazy you know, not necessarily lazy, but I was doing other stuff. You know, I was turkey hunting a lot. I was fishing a ton. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll just run and gun or move around or do this or do that. I'll figure it out once the season comes. And, you know, lo and behold, I didn't figure it out last year. Yeah. Yeah. So high high level real quick. The bullet, the bullet points of not having success last year. You mentioned a couple of them. Was there anything else? Those are the big ones, man. I just didn't put in the effort, the preseason effort that I normally put in. Yeah. You know, I was just like, oh, I got some stands up. They're improving locations, you know, whatever. And then, you know, it just seems like no matter how many stands you got or trees or whatever, like you never got enough. Yeah. Like there's always something that's influencing your decision, whether it's 
you know, the weather pattern, whether it's the wind direction, whether it's the crop rotation or when they take the crops in or out or pressure from the neighbors or something happened and, oh, I wanted to go there, but now I can't or shouldn't. And now I don't really have another backup spot to go to. And there was just all these weird things that happened where I kind of, I, I, I was left feeling like unprepared, like not nearly as, as ready as I should have been with, with a plan. And so, you know, that's really what I'm focusing my off season on is like, I did some more scouting. I know where I want to get some stuff set up, ready to go, stands trimmed, trails in and out, like food will be going in, you know, before too long. Um, I'd really just want to be more prepared and have more options. I had like, I had like plan A and plan B, but when plan B didn't work out, I didn't have like C, D and E, you know, I was like, oh shit, now what? Yeah. That, the good the good news is is that that buck hopefully sticks around and makes an appearance. Yeah, it would be nice. You know, he was a deer that wasn't really a homebody to our property. I got like uh, one, maybe two sets of pictures of him. Like in September was the first images I got of him, and then didn't see him again until like late November. And then he was there like for a day or two and then he was gone. And then he showed up like right at the end of the year, mostly because we had like an acre and a half of standing beans. You know, we had, we had really good food. And once it finally got cold and snowed, then he showed up and he pretty much lived in there. So I don't know if he's going to totally stick around, you know, in my experience, deer tend to do the same general thing from year to year. They don't tend, especially when they get a little bit older, I don't find that they make like big home range changes and just all of a sudden move in and start living in a place that they haven't previously lived. Yeah, um, It could happen, but I mean, I know he survived and he'll be you know, around at some point in time. I just got to hope it's actually during the hunting season. So I guess we'll find out come October. Yeah, man, I'll tell you this. I got a, uh, I shared this information on another uh, another podcast episode, but I left a, um, I had this deer bed on this, this little small ridge in between two longer ridges on, on a farm. And I, I put a trail camera up in there over this deer bed. Now, other than that deer bed there, there was a couple trails. And, and during the uh, winter, when I went in there to do some real early shed hunting, there was some beds underneath of a couple pine trees on the point of it. And other than that, nothing. No rubs, no no active scrapes through the previous year. And I hunted that once before, and I passed, uh, it wasn't last year, but the year before, I passed like a 130 class, maybe maybe low 140 class 10-pointer uh, that, that worked his way through. Great body, it just wasn't for me. And so I left the trail camera out there this year, and I let it soak for over a uh, not, not a whole year, but like nine months. I put it in it in June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. I picked it up in March. So yeah, nine months. And wouldn't you know it, it was one of the busiest ridges on the entire farm. And they just didn't lay sign on that ridge. And it's crazy. Does and, and the, yeah. the shooter buck that I, one of the bucks that I was after was working that ridge multiple times while I was uh, multiple times while I was in either the ridge to the north of it or the ridge to the south of it, the ridges run kind of west down to east. And so I'm just kind of blown away that there was no sign on this ridge. And so now I'm putting all the pieces of the puzzle together for this, hopefully 
this one particular buck um, that shows up. If, you know, I I took the trail camera down, so I don't know if he's alive or anything like that. But uh, the goal is to try to put myself in a position on the north side of that ridge and on the south side of that ridge so I can hunt a north and south wind and then just back out, back out of it. So sure. I don't know, man. I, I'm i looking at some trail camera pictures of him right now. I think one of the last 11, 18 might be the last time. And, and that's a long time, you know, from, yeah. from that. So and there yeah, was a couple especially other... like you got gun, gun season yeah. after that, right? Right, right. But, so... I mean, historically, like, if he was there doing that, and there's a lot of other deer doing it, like, chances are, whether it's him or another buck, they'll be doing the same exactly. thing. Exactly. You know, I think every buck may have its own individual kind of identity and movement patterns. But, like, generally speaking, from that kind of high macro level, it seems like on specific properties, like the deer as a whole tend to do the same things year in and year out. Yeah. You know, I find that they might move a little bit, maybe it's up or down a ridge, depending on if a tree's fallen over or something has happened or whatever. But like by and large, you know, the, the things for me anyways, that influence movement the most usually are going to be food, yeah. right? Where's the food at is going to yeah. dictate kind of maybe which direction they're going but they're always going to use the same basic travel routes is what it seems like to me. Yeah. Yep. And that's exactly where I'm going to be set up at, man. And so, uh, I'm going to go throw a, I've, I've been doing the thing too, kind of just like you, but I've been doing it with, with tree stands. I've been putting the sticks sure. up and I have then been just climbing, like going and doing the pre-work and just putting the sticks up. Or when I go yeah. and hunt early season, leaving the sticks up, but taking the stand down. So that way it's not a full, it's not really a full run and gun setup every time. If I, if I think sure. that the tree is worth it, I don't know. It just, I feel like it saves a lot of time. It's time, you know, you're not getting so sweated up. You're not making so much noise. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of advantages to that. I mean, I'll say it. I've said it a million times, right? I mean, running gun is cool. It's fun. It's exciting. It's like dating a new chick every time (laughs) you go out, right? It's like you get to try this new thing, and then, like, you got your permanent stands that you're kind of married to, but they're in the right spot. Like, I – like, there's nothing better to me than, like, going out to a spot that I know, to a really good tree and a proven spot – and just being able to sneak in, climb up, all my stuff is like gear hangers are there, bow holders. All I got to do is pull my bow up, hang it on the thing, and hunt, yeah. right? Like that, I, I, there's something to be said for that. Like I really enjoy it. I know it's not cool and flashy and it doesn't make me like a superstar on the internet for like climbing into a pre-hung stand, but like I don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. I enjoy doing that. I still enjoy my running gun from time to time. Um, you know, I do it a, probably a third of my hunts maybe every year, our running gun style. Uh, you know, part of the problem with running gun is you just got to have the right territory, not territory, but the right terrain to kind of do it. Like yeah. if you've got really, really thick stuff like we've got around here, dude, running gun is not easy. No. It's not all that it's cracked. I can get, I can get up in the tree. I can't shoot anything. I can't see anything. And yeah, I don't mind trimming a few little limbs or cutting a little, you know, bush down here or there when I'm doing some running gun on, on my private stuff. But there's places that I hunt that I have to go in with a chainsaw, and it takes me three hours yeah. to clear it enough to be able to hunt it. 
you know, you can't run and gun that stuff. And that was one of my mistakes last year. I was like, dude, I got my saddle, I got my sticks. I'm super mobile guy, you know? And then I was like, okay, I got nowhere to put this stuff because I can't see and I can't shoot. So it doesn't do me any good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's exactly what this farm is like. It must've been, I don't know, 25 years ago, cattle pasture. And so there yep. are, there are some big deer or some big trees in there, but the understory is all like six foot bushes and that honeysuckle uh, you know those uh, yes. I, I call it honeysuckle but you can break the stick the stems real easy on it that bush yeah 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 and so that and and then multiflower rose everywhere in that in that farm yeah. so trying to sneak into that and just hearing the you know like just pulling against fabric yes. and shit um, <laughs> yes yeah it it sucks but dude deer love that stuff and so they i do, do have a couple pre- but again it's yeah. like it's like you got to preset it you yeah. got to be ready trails cut you know stands are in shooting lanes are cleared like and even if you don't leave the stand there and you're gonna run and gun at least it like there's prep work that needs to be done you can't yeah. just walk in there in an afternoon hang a stand and, and hunt it they expect to kill something yeah it just doesn't work yeah let me ask you this i have a couple uh this this particular property again runs long north south and i can't access it from the east i can't access it from the west i can access it from the straight south and pretty much straight north okay so that means my access okay. routes for the most part run north south okay which necess- yeah. isn't necessarily good especially if you have to walk down the center of the property or or right. d- some drainage at, in the lowest point to try to get there the 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 thing that I have found is that I will walk in to a stand location sometimes with the wind to my back. So it's pretty much just blowing right to the tree stand. But then when I get up to it, my my wind is going over some terrain feature or going back into a, another drainage where it leaks out a back end or something like that. The only the risk of that is then having uh, them walk across my trail and busting me with some potential ground scent, let's just say. Right. Do you do that at all? And if you do, how yeah. often How often are, are you getting, like, do you think that you're getting busted from ground scent? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the idea of getting busted by ground scent is way overblown. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen because I've had it happen. Sure. Yes, we've all had it happen. But I would be willing to venture 90 to 95% of the deer that cross my ground scent never even to think twice about it. Yeah. You know, I do it a ton because, you know, unfortunately, when you're hunting these small properties, you know, your access is limited. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't want to walk where I think the deer may be coming from. But, dude, there's sometimes I got to walk right through my shooting lanes to get to my stand. There's no other way 
to get to it. I don't ever, I don't care. Like there's nothing unless I parachute in, you know, there's no other way for me to get there. And the vast majority of the time I do not have deer spook or bust or do anything. So I think that, and I've said this for a while now too, like I remember being younger and like, we've all been brainwashed into like, you have to wear rubber boots. I, yeah. I can remember being a kid. My dad was like, we got to wear rubber boots. And my feet froze because they weren't insulated and they sweated and they were uncomfortable. And I mean, I wrote, I suffered through wearing rubber boots for decades until uh, maybe 10 years ago, probably maybe 12 years ago. Now I just said, screw it. I'm not wearing them anymore. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I remember my buddy that I hunt with Mike was all pissed off. You got to wear rubber boots. Like he was mad. We're going to leave all this scent behind and they're, we're going to blow up our stands and all this stuff. And uh, I gave up on rubber boots 12 years ago and I haven't looked back <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah. You know, every once in a while I wear them if I've got some sort of water feature that I have to cross and I can't get across in a, in a set of normal boots, um, I'll wear them. Or if I got to go through, like sometimes I got to walk through like a, almost like a knee high, like hay or alfalfa field in the dark, like in the morning when there's it's full of dew and it's like i just don't want to get soaking wet so i'll wear them yeah so i mean there's two two three four times a year i'll I'll put the rubber boots on but other than that man regular boots and i don't give two shits about ground scent you know i try i try not to wear my boots you know around but i mean tell you the older i get like the more i like when i'm hunting local here at home and i just get i get fully dressed in my garage you know where it's semi-warm and i jump in my truck and i drive out there and i get out Maybe I spray my boots down. Maybe I don't. It's probably a 50-50 shot, depending on how much time I got. And uh, I just go walk in, and yeah. I haven't had any issues. Yeah. So I wear I I wear my clothes everywhere. I, I don't I do I do not have a scent control regimen. But one thing that I've it's a it's a product, and it some people may call it a gimmick. Some people, you're, may, you're an Ozonics believer. Well, Is that I, where I, you're going. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. To Ozonics or ozone okay. in general. Okay. Sure. But, uh, like, uh, God damn it. What's that uh, spray you put on the boots? Smells like vanilla. Um, Oh, nose jammer. Nose jammer. Dude. I think, I think <laughs> I there's always like that. They call it van vanillin. I think is what they say is like the, the, I don't know the chemical that's in it. I'm like, you so it's just vanilla, right? It's right. even in the name, right? Stuff it, smells great. You can use it in your bathroom when you take a big dump, Dan. Yep. You just spray the air with no jammer. It's great. Been there, but I'll tell you this, dude. I, I have. I'll. T- I will say this, not to interrupt, but I have had more people that I respect as hunters say positive things about Ozonics and nose jammer. Yeah. Right. Like those are two things that I think. Uh, a lot of people question them. A lot of people say it's bullshit, whatever. But like in my sphere of people that I respect and talk to and listen to like their feedback on products, like those are two products that on the outside seem kind of gimmicky that I've had more people say good things about than bad. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like from a scientific standpoint, how, how those pro- two products were described, like explained to me and not necessarily ozonics but how ozone o3 works on a deer and also how like a really concentrated smell and then actually having that experience like when you go into somebody's house that smokes cigarettes 
and you you instantly smell the cigarettes and that's all you smell and then it takes you know a handful of minutes or let's just say 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever that that time is for your nose to recalibrate so that the the it's not just cigarette smell and then you can start smelling what the what they're cooking or you can smell uh, a candle or you can start smelling different things again but when you first walk in there it's all cigarettes or when you walk into a pizza joint it's all the food and then after a while that your brain doesn't even pick that up anymore so yeah i'll say this man those two products whether they're gimmicks or not dude i i use i use ozone walking in i spray my boots down uh, when I go out for a, you know, for, you know, when I walk my access routes and then I also have a ozone in the tree with me. So I'll tell you right now, that stuff, I, I feel that it helps me and whether it helps me or not, I'm confident in it. And I think that's what really matters. Sure. So I will, I will agree. I will agree with that, you know, and there I don't is, wear rubber uh, boots either. By the way, yeah, I, like I said, I just I just gave up on them and never looked back. Yep. I own I own one pair that I've probably had for six or seven years now, and they get minimal use. Yeah, only when it's so, really wet. I buy them for I, my kid. I buy them for my kids though, because yeah. they're easier to put on and put off, and I don't have the tiny laces for them. Right. <laughs> so that's that. They are nice. They're yeah. nice for my kids when I take them out. Yeah, and I use them to shovel snow. Uh, when I when I'm shoveling snow in the winter, and if it's rainy or yep, wet, and other yep. than that, it's boot covers for me, man. Especially when it's cold, the Arctic Shield boot covers. They're too loud. What? They're bulky and they're loud. Bulky. What are you like talking them. about? They're bulky and loud. Dude, I got a set. I don't like them. Not a fan. Why? Tell me why. Other than bulky and loud, I mean, do they? I just told you why. they're bulky and they're loud. Do they keep your feet like warm them. when you use them? Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm yes. Okay. I'm all about the boot cover. Don't worry, Dan. I'm with you. Boot covers and regular boots. Okay. All right. But they're bulky and loud though. They are bulky and loud, so I don't use them. Okay. See, it was, it was the, it was me finding out about the boot covers that made me stop wearing rubber boots. Mm. So that's yeah, that's yeah. why from a because my feet I'm a puss my my feet get dude, cold real too. easy I, and I it could the, be fifty degrees out and my feet are cold <laughs> <laughs> and I know everybody dude screw all the people listening to this right now that are like oh you just need to bring an extra pair of socks or invest in the right socks or get yeah. this wear alpaca instead of wool make sure you're not wearing cotton well no shit i'm not wearing cotton you think i'm a moron probably yes <laughs> but i'm not wearing cotton right okay don't do this don't do this. i have tried everything i don't care what anybody says like my feet still get cold boot covers with a set of uh disposable hand warmers are the only way to go everyone that disagrees is wrong yeah all right all right I feel like it's the people whose feet don't get cold that, that are like telling me what I should do. Yeah. No, they're like telling me what I should do as the guy with cold feet. Like they're like, well, this is what I do. My feet don't get cold. I'm like, great. Well, good for you and your warm feet. My shit's cold, and I've tried all that other stuff, and it doesn't work. Yeah. So one pair of medium weight wool socks, like a 400 to 800 gram boot, and then a set of boot covers on top of that with disposable hand warmers and i could sit all day in the teens 
and my feet will never get cold. It's the only thing that works. It's the best way to go. Okay. By the way, if you're listening to this, do not ever approach Justin Czar to talk about boot covers or rubber boots okay let's just let's just skip it go to something else talk about his kids i just feel like every i feel like every time it comes up online because this comes up a ton there's a lot of people that like suffer from this and it's the same shit all the time bring an extra pair of socks with you and just change it the it the treat okay kiss my ass no i'm not doing that like it's the same advice over and over and over for people whose feet don't get cold (laughs) that voice that you just did reminded me (laughs) like this vision popped into my head of this is how they think they sound when they type a comment hey pussy what you need to do is wear these kind of socks and and then actually if you were ever to meet him face to face that voice that you just did is actually what they sound like in my head that's how i read their comments so love it i have another thing as long as you got me fired up let's do it most people most people aren't going to understand this but like being in the media quote unquote like for the hunting industry this just like pisses me off to no end you know what? Hey, we one get, second, one second. Sorry to interrupt. You know what pisses me off is when people say, yes. hey, being in the media. <laughs> I, and I say it well, too, I mean, and it like, makes me feel like a douchebag. Well, I am a douchebag. Everybody get over it. I'm a douchebag. We're douchebags. But here's what pisses me off. Marketing companies that put together press releases for every little stupid goddamn thing that their company does and sends them out to the media like we're supposed to publish them. I got one today. I'm not going to say the company's name, but they make a hunting accessory, right? Something that mounts on your bow. Okay. That's yeah. what they're known for. That's what the name of their company is. They came out with like branded arrow wraps. Whoop dee doo. And they sent out a press release about it. <laughs> Nobody cares about your arrow wraps with your little company name on it. Why, why is this news? Like there is, and they send them out all the time when like, well, we've renewed our partnership with such and such like TV show. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Stop sending them out. If any of those people, like you know the me- the the press release companies, just only send out send out press releases when there's something to actually talk about that's worthy of talking about. Do you get the outdoor wire, Dan? Do you like subscribe to that email? Every once in a while, I'll open the because email. it's ninety seven percent this. <laughs> it's like, like. Dan Johnson has renewed his partnership with Ozonics for this year. And there's some like quote in there like, oh, without Ozonics, I would uh, never be able to kill these deer. Right. It's like, oh, my God, dude, just just stop with the madness of the worthless press releases that these people are sending out. Hang on one I second. Want to I have a couple uh, things I got to delete from my computer real quick. <laughs> I want to respond back when I get them and say nobody cares. Nobody or I cares. I want to send them the- I want to send him the meme that's just an empty room and it says, this is the room of people who care. Like, that's what I want to send back. Like, nobody cares about this. When you have something worthy of actually being in the news, then send it to me. Oh, man. Uh, there's so many things I could say off of that. And uh, <laughs> like, because I agree with you. Like, and, and I think, I think what it all, if, if we just kept boiling this down, Justin, and this, this comment comes up, Every single time that we talk, and that is the more time goes on, the bigger assholes we both become. And I, you know, I, oh, I think I'm terrible. a nice guy, but I'm all, I also know that I'm an asshole. And I, and I say asshole, you know, to Dan, people. 
I would say this is a statement that is both accurate as well as inaccurate because 21 year old me was far and away a bigger asshole than 41 year old. Wait, wait a second. Just to clarify, but I was an, but I was an asshole for no reason. I was an asshole just to be an asshole because I thought being an asshole was cool. Now it's just, uh, God dang it. I saw, I, I live my life. One meme at a time, Dan. <laughs> I saw one the other day. Okay, Vin like Diesel. St- <laughs> it was like a statement from, it was like a quote from like uh, uh, Hank Hill, Over the Hill. It was something like, you guys think I have an anger issue, but like I just have a problem with morons. Something along those lines, <laughs> right? And it was like, the older I get, I feel like my assholeness just comes out because I see all the stupidity happening and I'm yeah. like, this is dumb. Yeah. Then I become an asshole. Whereas 21-year-old me was like, I need to find something to be an asshole about because this is my like persona and uh, I have to be cool. Okay. Like being an asshole is cool. Whereas now I'm just like, I don't want to be an asshole. I really want to be a nicer person, but there's yeah. just, there's just things that go on where you, somebody's got to say something, Dan, and it's gotta be us. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this when I was 21, I was a huge douchebag. My, and less of an asshole. Is there a difference? See, that's the thing. I, th- I, think there, I think there is. I think there is. Because people who are douchebags don't know that they're being douchebags. They just think they're being cool. But in reality, like I look back at my 21-year-old my self and I say, I say, I know this guy's just trying to be cool, but actually he's being a douchebag. Now, when it comes mm. to being an asshole, dude... I think a lot of assholes know that they're assholes and they're 100% fine with being an asshole, thus continuing being an asshole. And so my, my scale is just tipping. I'm less, I feel like I'm less douchebag, more asshole. If that makes sense. Hmm. Just a way to think about it. Just a way to think about it. We're going to have to put some boundaries around like the differences. We got, I need like a chart of some sort, like a compare and contrast Right. Douchebags versus assholes kind of makes me uh, think about Team America. Like there's assholes and then there's P's and D's and the D's are always. Yeah. You know, but sometimes into it. you understand. Uh, and by the way, that movie has never been more real than right now in this world. <laughs> than right now. Than right now in this it's world. It's such a great movie. Oh, yeah. Team you America World Police. Dan, if you've ever seen it. We're talking about old, we're old guys now. Like I got a bunch of people in my office, like in their twenties, that like have no idea what Team America is. I've never seen it. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, we go over this all the time. Like I'm like, you've never seen this, or you've never seen that, or you don't know who this person is. And they look at me like I'm from another planet. And I was like, oh my god, this is what getting old feels like. Yes. This is it. Yep. Like I'm in the midst of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a fact. Right, I'm gonna leave you. I'm going to leave you today with my funny story that I was going to tell you about before we started recording. Let's go. This isn't, this is interesting. Okay. So, uh, we're on the plane coming home from Vegas. It's Tuesday. I get the aisle seat. My buddy, Mike, who is my other half of busted rack gets the window seat. And we're just waiting to see who's going to sit in, in the middle, of course. Right. So we ended up getting some really nice lady. I don't want to offend her. She'll probably never hear this, but she was, oh, she might hear this. Who knows? She was like, uh, I'd peg her for being like mid to late forties, maybe okay. something like that. She just seems like a super nice, 
regular person, just wearing a nice, uh, colorful sweatshirt. Short haircut or long plane. haircut? She's with a, uh, like medium length haircut. Okay. okay. You know, medium length haircut. Just like a nice lady. Probably got a couple kids at home, junior high school age, I would imagine. She sits down. We say hello. She's like, oh, are you guys coming back from Vegas? I'm like, yeah, you know, we're coming back from a bachelor party. She's like, oh, I was in, I think, Utah. And she did like her, a half marathon with some other women that were like sitting all like scattered around us, you know. So we're like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, telling us, showing us pictures on her phone, what they did in Utah. So she goes, uh, hey, where did you guys stay when you were in Vegas? I said, oh, we stayed at the Virgin Hotel. It was the old Hard Rock, a little bit off the strip. And she's like, oh, that, that's great. She's like, how was it? It was pretty good. She goes, yeah, I heard uh, that's where all the porn stars stay. And I was like, well, you know, that's why we were there, of course. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, after the joke, I was like, well, why do they stay there? And she's like, well, that's where they have like the, the AVN awards. And I was like, you know, you know an awful lot about this. I'm just saying. And she kind of just like let it go. Right. They're like, no big deal. So I like, plane takes off. We're all watching our movies or whatever. So uh, I happen to have been wearing a busted rack sweatshirt. I was wearing my Buck Fiden busted rack sweatshirt and uh so the plane lands and we're like taxiing and she's like man i gotta tell you that's a great sweatshirt where can i where did you get it and i was like oh i go actually the guy sitting next to you made it in his basement (laughs) and she's like really i go yeah we have this small like t-shirt company or whatever she's like oh that's really cool i like it she's like my husband hunts she's like i want to buy one so i'm like well here use this promo code whatever so she literally takes her phone out puts an order in for uh, a shirt right there on the plane and I was like, sweet, you know, thank you. We'll, you know, ship it out this week. And uh, she goes, okay, well, since I bought something from your business, you have to buy something from my business. Oh, boy. And uh, I was thinking it was going to be like, you know, thrive. Like she wants me to buy some vitamins or she wants me to buy like cosmetics for my wife. Lululemon. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, Lululemon, some like, you know, pyramid scheme thing. And uh, I'm like, sure, yeah, what's your business? And she goes, uh, asseatingwipes.com and completely I was like I was not expecting that whatsoever uh, and she's like yeah they're they're flavored wipes for for when you want to eat some ass Dan so if any of your listeners are into that kind of thing this lady and her husband have a business and you can go on their website what? and buy and I swear to god are you kidding me? <laughs> This is is this a joke? Is this just like was this the long no, setup for just that? No. no, it's a real it's a real thing. And I was like, you know, it's funny that you mentioned this because when while we were in Vegas, we're having some conversations with a few ladies that we met at a certain <laughs> establishment, and we were trying to establish a timeline for when this like became in vogue. Like when did people start driving around with stickers on their vehicles that say I eat ass? Or shirts that say I eat ass. When did it go from like, that's eh, kind of gross to like, that's super awesome? I'm not really sure when it happened, but it happens, Dan. So well, there's your story for today. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm afraid to visit that website. But I am. Her website was, her website was down. I had to yell at her. I was like, I can't even buy these things. Her Instagram page was still up though. Yeah, and I'm on the Instagram page. <laughs> Right now, uh, you know, and this is this is a first. This is you know, I, I'm all about breaking new ground on on this podcast, um, and you know, I, I honestly didn't think that ass eating wipes was going to be a 
a topic of discussion, but here we are, um, and I'm on their here website. We are, yeah, and holy cow, um, it's a real thing. It's a real thing, and congratulations to that couple for finding a a niche and making money out of it. Um, yeah, you know, um, huh? I just thought I was, uh, dude. Talk about being caught off guard. Yeah, you wouldn't. Have, I could not have in a million years, like envisioned this coming out of this lady's mouth and i was like that is the coolest thing that's happened to me this week so i thought i'd tell my buddy dan about it well um <laughs> i appreciate it uh... i'll see if i I'll see if i can get you on their pro staff <laughs> don't say that too loud someone will actually they'll they'll get a licensing agreement from Realtree or Mossy Oak and then yeah. once that happens all the influencers are going to be like hey dude check out this well, well if they want the influencers they got to sign up with Sika they oh, sign up with Sika then Sitka. all the influencers will go. jump on they have Optifi colored packaging oh my god this is beautiful <laughs> and I think this is a perfect place to end because I don't want to change the subject. I just want to end on that's ass why I wipes. Saved it for the, that's why I saved it for the end, Dan. I, okay. I thought it was a good way to go out. Gotcha. I'm, now I'm trying to think of how I'm going to write the actual description of this website. <laughs> do I just keep this as a surprise at the end or do I actually title Assholes it like ass eating wipes with Justin Zarr? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what a world we're living in, Dan. Amen. What a time to be alive. Amen. Friend. Hey, and on that note, Justin Czar, man, I hope the rest of your week goes well. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Huge shout out to Justin. Huge shout out to all of you. Please go follow the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook and make sure you are subscribing on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. And last but not least, man, life is about the people that you spend it with, not about possessions, not about money and, and, and that kind of stuff, but the people. The people make the experiences and experiences at the end of the day and those memories are all you're going to have whenever you, you pass on into the next world. So good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next time.